May I ask you a question? What do you think of me? What do you mean? You've known me nearly all your life. You must have formed some opinion of me. Well, I always thought that you were a very nice person. Did you know I was an alcoholic? What? Did you know that? Look, I think I should be going. Sit down, Benjamin. Mrs. Robinson, if you don't mind my saying so, this conversation is getting a little strange. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left it seems while I was sleeping The proper way to eat a fig in society is to split it in four, holding it by the stump, and open it so that it is a glittering, rosy, moist, honeyed, heavy-petaled, four-petaled flower. You know I always believe in love. But where do you find it nowadays? Then you throw away the skin after you have taken off the blossom with your lips. <laughs> she was a nuisance. Not for a minute would she keep still. Not until I'd slapped her hard and made her cry. My God, when I think of you and your world, it makes my heart sick. You're so limited. You're a dead end. You cannot love. And you? I could never love you. You can't bear anything to be spontaneous, can you? It was a horrible creature, sir. With huge eyes, sir. Oh, with the wings. The wings, sir. Oh, let me alone. Let me alone. From this old house, some evil thing was spawned to bring terror to the surrounding countryside. What was Professor Manninger's gruesome secret? And how was his beautiful daughter involved? Look at that moon. The Blood Beast Terror. Peter Cushing, Robert Fleming, Wanda Ventum, guest star Roy Hudd. Hello everyone, Kevin Markwick here again. Welcome along to the latest edition of the new Lockdown Podcast quickly became apparent last week that me droning on like a simple-minded horse wasn't the most interesting podcast in the world. So what I thought I'd do to zizz it up a bit would be to go out and find some guests who like to talk about movies and we'll tie it into particular weeks or a couple of weeks here and there. We've been reasonably fluid actually to be honest uh, rather than specifically matching the date. Just talk about cinema and our love of cinema and the love of the movies and why they pick these particular movies. And I've got myself some very nice guests lined up over the next few weeks. Hopefully uh, you'll enjoy it too. And for this very first edition with a guest, I have someone very special, Francine Stock, who I first met some years ago when I went on to the film programme on Radio 4. She's a broadcaster, critic, writer. She's hosted Newsnight, Front Row, the film programme. Uh, which she's presented actually since 2004. She's stepped back a little bit now and um, is doing some rather interesting interviews with uh, filmmakers and how they how certain films have uh, been influences on them. And I can highly recommend you go and have a listen to that as well. It's on the Film Programme website on Radio 4. She's also a writer. Her published work includes two novels, uh, short stories, film criticism, 
and uh, as well as a study of cultural and political influence of cinema in glorious technicolor a century of film and how it shaped us which i can also recommend and i have a very precious signed copy of that one she's been a judge on the booker prize and guest artistic director from the um of the from page to screen festival chair of the tate members from 2005 to 2010 and she recently presented tate's first live gallery to cinema relay matisse live which was very successful She's on the British Council Arts Advisory Board, a director of the Hay Festival of Literature, a patron of Borderlines Film Festival and an honorary fellow of Jesus College, Oxford. So, <laughs> uh, you, the theme you will find here is that everybody who's on here is, is way smarter than me. So uh, that's why I love to talk to them because they're so interesting and so wonderful. What we talked about was actually 1970 and Francine had picked out uh, weekend, uh, the week beginning June the 7th and the week beginning June the 14th. What I did actually was I sent them whole, um, everybody that uh, has brilliantly um, agreed to appear on the show, a grid of everything that we shown over April, May and June uh, at, at the Picture House in Upfield uh, since, we, since we arrived here in 1964. So it's a pretty big grid of stuff to choose from. Anyway, uh, here's uh, Francine and I having a nice chat. Why is it that we usually ignore the fourth dimension? You, you see, we can move in the other three. As the doctor said, up, down, forwards, backwards, sideways. But when it comes to time, we are prisoners. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. You maniac! You blew it up! Oh, damn you! God! things will change slightly but we'll find a way through because people do find people are too ingenious they don't they don't want to give up on the things they love doing so they'll find a way well actually interestingly Pearl and dean did a um i don't know if you saw that a, um uh, not the famous singing duo, the uh, uh, cinema yeah, advertising. Yeah, all that. Um, and they uh, they did a survey last week uh, and asked people what the thing they're most looking forward to, what they're going to do first when they get released. And top of the top of the list came haircuts and beauty yeah. therapy, and second was restaurants and cinemas. So, but uh, yeah, so. I mean, just this idea of going, I mean, maybe nostalgia. Is, it, is nostalgia a good thing to be promoting at this point? Um, well, what do we do? We can call it, sort of, it's like excavating memories rather than not. I mean, it's not yeah. necessarily saying it's better. It's just saying it's very vivid, isn't it? I think it's kind of vivid and very different, I think, as well. And, I mean, how much my memories and, or I don't know. I mean, cinema does seem to set a... Um, you know, a, a, a thing up in people's minds. People are very keen to talk about cinema. They're very keen to talk about because they they set memories off, don't they? For think, people, and they're early. Going to the cinema is often an early family experience, isn't it? Where you remember having everybody yeah. around you. You can usually remember big things like birthdays and Christmas and all that, but they're they're more they're more diffuse. Whereas the going to the cinema is a few hours together. You all go. There's a sense of well, there was a sense of occasion. There still can be. I think. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember my first, I think, we went to live in Australia when I was six. And um, I remember going to a huge cinema in Melbourne 
you know, Melbourne has lots of Victorian architecture, so there was lots of, from the early 20th century, a lot of architecture from there, and going to a very grand cinema and going to see My Fair Lady. And ah, okay. And that would have been in sort of 60... Oh, is My Fair Lady 64? Oh, God, I yeah, it's around that time, but that doesn't necessarily mean no, that's when exactly. it played. Um, mm. And, uh, of course, a lot of it sort of passed me by, but the sheer spectacle and that opening sequence, which actually is shot by somebody else, isn't it? It's shot by Cukor or somewhere, of the flowers opening that sort of time thing. Uh, yeah. And that completely blew my mm -hmm. mind. So... <laughs> it's interesting. That's interesting, because that, that sort of ties in with... Um, the sort of size of cinema, particularly when you're a, when you're a child, isn't it? That's what you find overwhelming. The two, the two experiences I had like that were we because unfortunately, stroke unfortunately, I never had the experience much of going to the cinema as a family, no, of course not. because I was in it. <laughs> I was I grew up in it, so you know my father. Very very rarely did we ever go to the cinema together, and one of the first times, in fact. Uh, I can only think of two times we in my life where we went to another cinema as a family. And the first one was a very sort of similar experience. We went to see Paint Your Wagon yeah. in 70 mil at the uh, Elder Storia in Brighton, which is the big 70 mil cinema. So I'm guessing your My Fair Lady experience was also probably in 70 yeah, mil possibly, as well. That quite fantastic? possibly. Um, and everything about it was just too super real. Uh, and and that was that was just wonderful, just wonderful. And of course, I then dressed up. I recreated all the scenes then over the next few months at home with things from the dressing up. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I dressed as Clint Eastwood <laughs> or Lee Marvin. <laughs> I used to play Where Eagles Dare in the garden. Yeah. That was my uh, that, <laughs> that was my thing. But no, that's quite. So that's you know. I think this is why I like. Um, the interfilm thing that we do or previously the um you know and kids just coming to the cinema for nothing in the mornings out of school time and um because i think you know once they i think once we've got them yeah. then we've got you know you've got them for life haven't you i, I think I hopefully think, well I, I think you know recent statistics would show that actually people go on going you know even though they have all their home entertainment options obviously slightly different at the moment but <laughs> even so yeah that's the thing um and people always say that to you know if i get in a cab and they, they worm it out of you that you're in cinema they're always still fond of going well it's in videos isn't it that's what's you know how are you doing against their uh, videos <laughs> well you know yeah. we're still here you know one way or another i think cinemas have improved though haven't they you would have to say i would generally. say they have i mean there was certainly a i am of the age so in my teens they're doing all that kind of multiplexy thing and they're cutting up decent cinemas into you know, bits and pieces obviously um and so i remember them being i remember the smell of that kind of weird styrofoamy whatever it was <laughs> that was everywhere in cinema and that was quite off-putting even though the output in in the 70s which is when it was terrific <laughs> the what you the sort of surroundings had lost all their glamour so well, that, yeah, I mean, well, that's interesting, actually, because that sort of takes us into what we were going to talk about, which was 1970, yeah. which is the one you pick. Because what I've got here is all the books. I mean, I can show you that the, the listener can't see it, but... Uh, oh, the legends. Here, oh, look at that. The... Very neat yeah. handwriting. <laughs> yeah, that's my dad's handwriting. Uh, and uh, obviously, and um, 
yeah, so I've got all these records and it's just really interesting to see what sort of business they did and what sort of things people were going to see back then. But what were we saying about 1970? Uh, oh, yes, which was the sort of real start of the decline, wasn't it, in cinema, uh, in cinema admissions, in people going to the cinema. And it's, you know, it was largely, why do you think that was? Was it because the films were rubbish or the cinemas were rubbish or was it both? And television got better, you know. Television got a lot better, and television then allowed people to talk over the back fence and all, all that kind of thing uh, before they had water coolers. Um, so I suppose that was, I do remember that television became, I mean, you think about the kind of audiences, you know, double figure audiences, no problem at all uh, yeah. in millions for, for television. So, but cinema was still, it was still, I think, especially for young people, there was still that chance of you got away, didn't you? You got away to the cinema. And you could get. Yeah. I do, re I do regret never having that experience either. Sometimes, oddly, in the, you know, I never had to put big shoes on to get into the cinema to see it. Oh, I know. And actually, during the seventies, I had one of my kind of humiliations. I think I was fourteen, and I had a boyfriend who was seventeen, and we wanted, yeah, and he wanted oh. to take me to see Clute, which actually, frankly, at fourteen would have been probably fairly, yeah, absolutely straight over the straight over your head but you know i think i might have got something out of it also very very dark uh, i mean literally very mm. dark you can only make out what's going on most of the time but um and um, we went to the cinema and the woman said to me oh, um how old are you and i was 45 was he i was tall as i am not too much and mm. i said in one of those stupid panics i'm 17 which i mean you're gonna lie why oh. lie? <laughs> <Three years laughs> yeah you might as well, because it was, that was an exit, was wasn't it? So we got so, turned away from that, and then we had to get on a bus and go to another town uh, where actually we saw Stephen Freer's gumshoe, which, you know, turns oh, out wow. to have been a really interesting thing to have seen at that time. Now, in retrospect, Albert Finney, really interesting film. But, uh, and I did quite enjoy mm. it, but I couldn't really enjoy it because I knew I'd stopped us getting into Clute. <laughs> because you lied by one, one year. year. Mm -hmm. So now I always That's lie hilarious. by more than one year. By, but yeah, you go up <laughs> rather than down. But that's, I mean, what would you, what would your fourteen-year-old self have made? Oh, I have no idea. I think I would have, I would have been desperately looking for the romance in it, <laughs> and looking and mm. looking. Not, not much of that. No, included, well, not. I, I mean, think. it would have been. Although I did like films that were somehow confusing and open-ended. I remember seeing um, Max Zuffel's Lola Montez on TV, because that's where actually where I saw most of my films, was, you know, looking at my mm, Yes, of course, that, as we And did, that was yeah. so strange, and it stuck with me. And occasionally I would see the old French film, um, I have French relatives and things, and, um, and, and the kind of open-endedness, the unresolvedness of that was something that I could, find really fascinating even but clute no i don't think i would have understood it at all but no i sat I, I i sat through it again fairly recently within the last six months and it, it really holds up i think yeah as a film i mean it's quite remarkable and actually quite a lot of the films that i've gone back to like particularly from that period you know there's not much happens in them you sort of you, you seem to remember there being a lot going on in it and there is a lot going on a lot of the subtext in it but not very much yeah. happens in it there's quite a lot of people walking down, <laughs> you know, walking through mm. things. People walked in and out of buildings even more then than they do now. So, so. Yeah, but some of that, um, the way it was shot with that long, you know, a lot exactly. of long lenses and uh, it just looks absolutely fantastic. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. My 14-year-old self, sadly, uh, it's turned out to have been a disaster. <laughs> I felt very sophisticated because because uh, that would have been 1977. And uh, we had a, one of the, I think most people in life had a groovy teacher. There was the groovy teacher that, 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 that kind of opened your mind to other things. And he would get the school minibus out and take us places. He took he took me actually to my first concert, Frank Zappa, for God's sake. I mean, this is how groovy he was. And um, we went down to Brighton to see Annie oh. Hall. I was 14. I know. And I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. It made me feel so sophisticated. And I've never understood. I mean, obviously, the way the world has gone, um, uh, Woody Allen's rather out of favour at the moment. But um, I've never quite understood why that film... Uh, affected me so much and why I became so enamored of it because you know I'm <laughs> I'm not from New York I'm not Jewish I didn't know one end of a woman from another you know <laughs> what was it about that film that made made me eschew it for Star Wars you know I eschewed Star Wars for Annie Hall ridiculous Oh, uh, my favourite scenes actually are well. There's the 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 one I refer to a lot. Oddly, is the the scene with the lobsters, the second yeah, time. It but it's work. the second yeah. time when, when it doesn't. Work. Absolutely, when he thinks I'll try the old lobster <laughs> shit on the new yeah. girlfriend. And wait. Yeah. Uh, I relate to that so much. Wait, wait what are you joking? <laughs> and actually, the 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 warmth of the opening where he does the, um, you know, sometimes I think I, uh, you know, exaggerate my childhood memories, yeah. <laughs> but we grew up on the roller coaster under uh, there it is. Island. <laughs> and they talk to the, they talk to the yeah. camera, you know. Oh, no, actually, I, no, it's the, the, you've started me off now. Uh, probably my favourite one is where, or one of my favourites is where he goes to the, um, his mother takes him to the doctor oh. and he's saying, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's saying one day the universe is going to end. He stopped doing his homework. What's the point? <laughs> it made me feel that maybe it just made me feel sophisticated. Yeah, no, no, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I was, I was already, at, I just, just got to college. I was just going to college when, when it came out and I saw, and then of course I dressed like that well actually everybody dressed like that even when you're at college because you couldn't afford to. everybody on the thrift shop thing at the time but it uh yeah yeah no it, it well I, I yeah i don't know this white middle class <laughs> kid from uckfield in sussex what what did it say to me about anything at all? Uh, i think it just says that fundamental thing about the way you think you're presenting yourself in the world and the way you're actually presenting yourself even you deep down know maybe there's a disparity between the two and i think that's yeah. what's yeah. lovely about it and but the second i mean rather like your your flower experience with my fair lady the second it started with that him talking to camera the way it just comes on it seems so sophisticated to me two old ladies at a catskill mountain resort you know all that kind of stuff anyway <laughs> So uh, what what I did was because I, I asked you to I sent you this ridiculous list. Did you did you actually ever get <laughs> no, to the I bottom didn't, of it? No, I didn't. Because it was because <laughs> the sixties and seventies were so interesting, um, and uh, and kept thinking, oh, I forgot about that film. This film was, and and I was also I was wondering, you know, I was wondering what the audiences would have felt like when they'd seen mm. some of these things. And I was really intrigued to get into the kind of programming mind. <laughs> um, 
Well, so am I, actually, because, uh, you know, I, I sort of remember uh, com- snippets of conversation. So I was quite young at this point. So 19, uh, well, we t- we're going to June 1970, and I would have been, uh, well, actually seven yeah. going on eight. So I, d- I wasn't really party to uh, um, any other particular uh, conversations. What I do remember is that he was happier when we were taking money. <laughs> That's kind of, so there were certain films that had, you know, gave him a warm fuzzy feeling inside because they took money um that's my earliest well, memories so of you were also aware but that he was that there were that he had personal enthusiasms as well that he wanted to get in there well yes and at the same time no because one of the things that's different very different between me and my father um is that he loved cinemas and I love cinemas, but he loved, you know, seats and projectors and ticket machines and, and, and the machinations of running a cinema. That that was his passion. That's what he loved to do. Um, he'd started in the business in 1948 as a rewind boy in Eastbourne. And um, when you literally did you know, one person's job to rewind the film. Um, and he got out of the business for a few years. But even then, he, he was in guest houses. He, he bought a guest house with his mum in Eastbourne. And even then, he had to build a cinema in the basement for the guests for after dinner. So it was cinema. So he, he loved, I mean, he, he loves films. He loved films. But he wasn't into it in the way that you and I are into cinema. You know, he wasn't wasn't his thing. So his his decisions were largely based on what he thought people would want to come and see which is you know as i run a cinema now mine are too so but um Mm -hmm. you know uh but but this this particular period 90 so i had a disagreement actually with a with a with a famous critic person a few years ago on twitter i believe it was when i said that the 70s are one of the worst periods of all time for but what what I thought it was it was the one of the worst periods commercially because a lot of these films that we have a, a memory of cinema or, or memory of didn't really play out in the provinces. In no, the I don't think Five Easy Pieces was probably pulling them in. Particular no, there are all these masterpieces. No. It, yeah, that's the thing. And actually, what we were on the verge of at this point, where you've chosen, is this awful period of softcore pornography and television spin-offs through the I mean you know are you being served and this is what we had to survive on in the 70s so this kind of and and I you know and, and as I know you are a, a passionate fan of 70s American cinema but uh it didn't play I mean I, I looked back at Network and Taxi Driver we were having single digit people you know six people five people four people so you know the fact that they were uh, such fantastic films. The fact that, um, or, or the idea that people went to see them in droves is is, is not true. But this was when I was looking through those grids. This so this is June nineteen seventy, mm. isn't it? So yes. I thought it was yeah. it was just a really interesting mixture. I mean, I could have been I would have been popping into it had I been old enough at the time and nearby. Yes, um, I could have been. Pop- I yeah. wouldn't have been able to get into any of these films actually at that stage. But now, uh, no. um, but now, so you start off with. Um, I mean, the, the interesting thing is that sometimes there's, there will be maybe an eighteen month or even a year's delay before you. Oh well, that's that's the way. Yes, no, and more sometimes. I mean, um, if you when we if we look at the yeah. graduate and Thomas Crown double feature, I mean they were they were already two years old. Some were even older, because that's the way films were released. Uh, firstly, there was no. Uh, television really to 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 
to um you know they weren't going on tv so quickly or video dvd didn't exist and uh we had to wait we had to wait for months sometimes because a film would play six months in the west end or three months in the west end before it went out on general release then they would have things like a North London release and a South London release and then a Midlands release. And then, you know, because they only made 50 or 60 copies of a film. That's all they did back in those days. So it had to work its way around the country. And, you know, culture was different then, wasn't it? It wasn't, I have to see it now. No, absolutely not. No, it would, no, quite. It was not. But it, and also, you wouldn't have been receiving, you know, something on your phone telling you how many stars something was getting you. You might have read Dillis Powell, or you might not, <laughs> or whoever. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was not. No, you'd be quite happy with whatever was turning up. Yeah, and also, um, at that time, we still we still had the um, barring system. Are you yeah. familiar with that? Well, that was a big thing uh, all the way through, uh, right up until about 1981 or two, when it was made illegal. Um, it was basically a bunch of gentlemen's agreements where one cinema would prevent another from playing. Uh, so, for instance, Uckfield, which is in the middle of East Sussex in the Weald, uh, was barred by Lewis, uh, which is eight miles away to the south, and Crowborough, which is eight miles away to the north. They both had cinemas at the time. So, what? and then, uh, <laughs> stop me if this gets dull, but... Uh, Lewis was barred by Brighton. So it was a hierarchy. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was this kind of chain of events. And actually, that was one of my dad's things, was that he, he, could, he knew who barred everybody. So whenever you mentioned a town, he went, oh, yeah, they're barred by so-and-so and so-and-so. It was this net incredible now, how did they ever? I mean, was this done just on, on revenue-raising ability? I mean, or was there an... No, it was just done on... It was just done on the fact that Odeon were more powerful than you were. ABC were more powerful than you were. And they wanted to protect the bigger cinema. So Brighton was protected. But, uh, yes, so that whole 1970, April, May, June period there, yeah, I mean, crikey, you'd have a great oh, time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, well, you see, the first one I spotted was uh, Lumbee's Terror from mm. 1968. Yeah. A good bit of... Now, you see, it didn't really matter how long after release that was. You would go and see no. that kind of Peter Cushing horror film entomologist whose Sunday. daughter turns into a jump by night turns into a giant moth I mean, I know. yeah and I, I, did, I actually it's on YouTube I had a little look last night <laughs> yeah I, had I, a mean, peak, I have to say because it I starts off with one of those classic mm. bits where they've got some they've obviously bought in some footage of Africa haven't they and then Cut it into oh, somebody yeah. in a canoe in the Norfolk Broads going, <laughs> oh, it's got the most wonderful start. Um, but apart from that, it is noticeable, uh, notable for, apart from the idea of the, the entomology idea, uh, that the father also makes a matching giant moth for, to be a companion for his daughter when she becomes a giant moth. But <laughs> well, it's really nice, cool, actually. You know, if your dad had, had always done that, that would have been great. But uh, the daughter, the daughter is played by... That great actress Wanda Ventum, who was, and whose yes. mum is she? I don't know. You've got me on that one. Go on. No. <laughs> well, wow. in fact, she even appears in a later. She and um, his father appear in a later uh, episode of Sherlock, playing his parents. Oh wow! You're yeah. Way so, and if you look, well, look again on the trailer or on YouTube. I can see when you look yeah. at it, you can see. Oh wow! That's amazing. <laughs> 
I mean, it was it was a company called Tygon Films, which I remember as a kid turning up all the time. They're sort of yeah. sub-hammer, yeah. weren't and they? Yeah, and you got Peter Cushing in there. Everybody thinks, oh, what was his hammer? But mm. it, it, I have to say, in terms of pacing, shall we say, not really quite. <laughs> no, but they didn't care on a Sunday. They didn't care. That was the thing. It played on um, Sunday, June the 7th. Uh, and we had 119 wow. people in. And it took, yeah, uh, it took £29, 15 shillings and sixpence. <laughs> Great, but that's back, um, you know, back in the, in the time where I was, as a kid, that was something that early on with 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 my friend Ali, we both loved horror. We just loved horror. and we would sort of read about all these kind of things. And if we'd seen had the chance to see Blood Beast Terror, then we would have done because it was that thing where you know, giant moth. If it'd been that many years later, and you were dealing with a sort of driller killer or something, then that's that. But the giant moth in the woods was sort of relatable and completely implausible. <laughs> And and not really that horrific, was it? Let's face it. And that's what I remember, again, going back to what my dad used to say when I was around that age. He said that the Sunday one day was really important to him because it was the busiest day of the week. Um, and so he would never have two Sundays the same, even if it was when Oliver came out and it was 14-day booking. No, no, it's got to be 13 days because I can't have two Sundays the same because it's so important to Sundays. So... Hang on, it played. Oh, there was a second feature with it. What was that? Oh, I've never heard of that one. Mission from a kit. No, that was no a, I think, as far is. as I could make out, it was a sort of Euro pudding thriller. Yeah, was it? And again, it no. didn't really matter then. They just came along. And then three days, Monday, June the 8th. I am curious. Yeah, Swedish. Swedish art house film, which was famous just for showing full frontal nudity, lots of it. But. Again, they, did they see it? Did they go to it? Yeah, uh, so Monday we had 111 people in. I mean, this is um, this would have been once one show. That's it. That's all he did once once nightly. So that would have been an eight o'clock show or seven o'clock show. And we had 310 seats at the time, so that's not too bad. 111 people, uh, 28 pounds 16 <laughs> shillings. Uh, Tuesday the 9th, 100 people, and on Wednesday the 10th, 89 people. Good. So 300 people. That's in three pretty days. good. It's not bad, and I I ha I tried to watch it. <laughs> it's not. It's well, it's. Oh boy, it's a bit heavy, isn't it? Really? It's I mean, sort of. It? It's full of ideas. It's full. Of, well, this is the whole thing, isn't it? About that sort of sixties and seventies European cinema, where the, the idea was we're going to see this because you might get a flash of boob or you'll get whatever it is. But you usually had to sit through an awful lot of people with moustaches talking very, very seriously about. And in this, it's mm. politics. It's I mean, it's everything really. It's it's great sort of mishmash of ideas. And the nudity is just like, oh, well, it's happening. She's sort of freewheeling. <laughs> freewheeling. They were so sophisticated, these Europeans, weren't they? This is, must have been what the audiences <laughs> were thinking. But presumably that the audiences weren't going along for the art house concert. No, of course they, they weren't. And they must have, so. you know, been really twiddling their thumbs or whatever. <laughs> in between. Yeah, thinking, but oh I God. see, obviously, I didn't see it at the time, but I did used to read newspapers. My parents used to get quite a lot of newspapers and I used to sit and read them. And I remember the notoriety of it, you see. And that's what would have brought your people in, I expect. I, I think so. But, I mean, it's not a film that people remember fondly and it's not a film that we go back no. to, really, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> and Lord Lord knows what the nude ones was. Oh, I cannot imagine. <laughs> the second feature. <laughs> but I think somehow you might have, they might have delivered a little more value for money. In 
I think so, yeah. But it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Um, it would be great to go. I'd love to go back and ask people coming out. So where, how did you find that? Ooh, very straight. So and then three days. So this is what I mean. He was very good at this kind of thing of sort of bolting a week together of this, that and the other. And so he kind of he covered pretty much all bases, I think, here in this this whole week, because in those days we were Sunday to Saturday. Right. Yeah. That was the week. Um, films changed on a, on a Saturday was the last night of the week. Uh, and then three days on The Graduate and The Thomas Crown Affair, sort of classic. Yeah, which presumably this was mopping up. Well, there's people who might have possibly seen it when it first came out or just mopping up those who'd never got to London to see it or wherever. Possibly. Or did people go more than yeah. once to see a film? And it had, by then, Graduate had won Oscars, hadn't it, I think. Both Hoffman and Bancroft, yeah. or I don't know, but they certainly get nominated and, and I think Mike Nichols wins something. So it's there's been lots of publicity around it and yeah, yeah. But going through the book, it turns up all the time for about the next five or ten years. It's not, it's not that, oh, well, yeah, there's a few people that haven't seen it. No, 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 it keeps turning up. So people either, you know, they would come back and see yeah. it again. I'm assuming. I don't or 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 I don't know. So we had um yeah, Thursday a hundred people, Friday hundred and twenty five, and Saturday hundred and eighty oh. people, four hundred and five people. I know. I mean that was yeah, because I, I quickly looked at it. Nineteen sixty nine they came out. Yeah. Oh no, sixty eight. Nineteen sixty eight. Yeah. So they were they were already two years yeah. old and people were still coming. And the graduate I mean, who do you love the graduate? Oh, yeah, who yeah. doesn't love I the love graduate? graduate? I love no. the graduate because it's yeah. it's just it's so funny and so sad, <laughs> so sad, <laughs> but but you know, terrifically funny at the same time. I know because it's got that depth and that complexity. Yeah. Yeah. What's fascinating about it is that um, Hoffman was thirty. Yeah, he's only now. he's only like two years, three years younger than mm. Anne Bancroft. And Thomas Crown Affair, which is kind of. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's Norman Jewison. Yes, that's Norman Jewison. Yes. Split screen and a song that wins it. Always, always a bad time when the song wins the Oscar. <laughs> it's always a bad sign. <laughs> oh no! But it's a bit hard yeah. going. I thought I watched it about six months ago, and I have to say I drifted. It off is, when they lot, remade it, um, um, when it was towards the end of the nineties or whatever, and uh, people were saying, "Oh, how can you touch this classic?" And then you go back and look, and you go, "Actually, yeah, remake it." Yeah, yeah. Somebody asked on Twitter the other day, remakes that are better than mm. the original. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think that might, think be, that might yeah. be one. And The Fly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one I could come up with. Although I have to say, would it be... No, oh, maybe this could be sacrilege mm. if I say this, but I actually prefer... I'm going to say it out loud. Soderbergh's um, Solaris yeah. to Tarkovsky's. Is that No, right? I think Soderbergh's Solaris is pretty good. Uh, do I prefer... Yeah, I mean, they're sort of different, but... I think it's I think it's really good. Uh, it kind of gets to the point, doesn't it? <laughs> it, 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 it? I know, yeah. I know. I feel I feel bad for saying it, but of course the the one I think you know uh, that seemed to prick your interest the most June the fourteenth, seven days women. Yes, Ken Russell obviously. Um, Glenda Jackson wins an Oscar for it, and she's as Gudrun of the two Brangwen sisters in in the Rs. Um just terrific i think it's it's so good. i mean it's long it's two hours uh, it is long isn't it and and do you do you think it goes slightly awry towards the end to, i saw it, it disappears off too 
foreign climes and yeah. yeah it turns into something else then mm. isn't it but uh no yeah. but the f- she's oh, she's so good oliver reed and alan bates excellent i watched it not that long ago a few months ago and uh it still seems remarkably yeah. contemporary yeah. actually even though it's a period it was a period piece at the time obviously um although there is the the whiff of the 60s is unmistakable yeah, yeah. definitely yes and the, the manner of the disrobings and it's all quite 60s isn't it and uh but the uh i think that well it's because there's something quite gentle about oliver reed in it too which is wonderful before you yes. get to, you know you're not expecting it in that character and yet he's quite vulnerable um and you're going to lose mm. some of that in later oliver reed performances but at this stage you're getting something interesting yes i think you're right because he um he does his kind of sort of whispering acting thing that he does very well but actually he's the most um i mean the the, the way that the four mm. of them are they're kind of, uh, in many ways, uh, their relationship, uh, particularly Glenda Jackson Oliver Rees relationship, is really interesting because it's kind of upside down from the norm, isn't it? In a way, she's the one that's confident and and knows things, and he's the one that's hemmed in by tradition and by you know making sure the family business runs yeah. properly. And... No, no, no. He's he's the kind of careful one in in that sense, um, yes. and she's she's absolutely free spirit, and and therefore it's. It's sort of second wave feminism is coming along in a you know mm. interesting already there in that uh, I, no, I I like it a lot. I mean I saw it again oh, I don't know, five or six years ago and was oh actually it's a bit more than that because it would have been was it maybe just before Russell died actually so you know, I went to see Glenda Jackson when she was still an MP and she didn't want to talk about acting at all at that stage and mm. but she made an exception to talk about this. She felt so strongly yes. about it, and she also felt so strongly that Ken Russell ha- was undervalued um, as a director. Well, I think you're yes. I mean, why do we not oh. revere him uh, as much as we should? Why do we? Why not do we not that? think that the Devils is a great film? I mean, <laughs> oh, they're all amazing. Yeah, well, not, no, all, not of all of them, them. but <laughs> um, but many of them are, and uh, you know, but people sort of they hold on to the excessive parts as though this was somehow all that he did. And for example, the, de- the devils, which apart from the German designs and the, just generally the ambition of it all. And again, Reed quite kind of dialed down in, in the performance. Um, everybody remembers the orgy scene, you know, the, the nuns and the crucifixes and all that, which in fact is a smallish part of it and really doesn't dominate the action in any way whatsoever, but was again the thing that received all all the coverage i don't know that the the imagination of him um it, it's very very sad indeed i think he never lived down that sort of enfant terrible uh, um thing did he people would insist on calling him that even in his <laughs> 80s I, think. I know i know and i yeah. i mean i i went to see him not long before he died to talk about the boyfriend because i think it was an anniversary of the boy and you couldn't get hold of the boyfriend the boyfriend wasn't on uh, no, oh, no. And I found a VHS copy and I took it down and we watched it together and he was oh I know and he was going, Oh look at this, look at this and he said, Oh I haven't seen this in ages and it was just so wrong that this very distinctive British talent was not being recognised in any way. 
Well, going back to my my my, my disagreement with this uh, other person in the 70s, I was trying to think British cinema in the 70s. I think that was my point. It wasn't that 70s cinema was not good, to be fair. It was more about British cinema in the 70s was appalling. And the only the only two people coming up with anything interesting in the 70s were Nick Rogue and Ken Russell, really. Yeah. I mean, they they flew the flag for anything anything that was interesting and different and and groundbreaking, really. And but Nick Rogue's um, uh, reputation seems to remain uh, yeah. high. But Ken Russell, not quite the same. Um, I mean, I suppose his films were often difficult, even in that period, weren't they? Um, Listomania, quite tricky. <laughs> quite tricky. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. There are yes, it's. Tommy, I adore. I adore Tommy. I can I can watch that any time. I think it's an extraordinary film. But The Devils is definitely his thing. But um, is it is, is his masterpiece? I think because um, Women in Love is a different thing, isn't it? It is. Uh, yeah. If you want more the kind of the essence, as it were, insofar as we can <laughs> define yeah. it, of, of Russell, yes. then I think maybe it is Devils. But there are moments in Music Lovers, but it. It's a little bit too hysterical for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And... I always enjoyed the music lovers a lot. Again, I think as a teenager, it was all that. It was just its yeah. verve. It was like, at the risk of sounding really, um, uh, really trite, it was kind of punk cinema, wasn't it? Before punk was invented in a way. You know, it was. Uh, and the fact that they gave him the money to do it is quite extraordinary, yeah. really. But um, but he was going to the he end, was. wasn't he? Oh, and making you know, just getting a few friends around with and the house. I mean, I went to his last two houses, and they always had lots of you know, masses of props and bits and pieces, just ready to do some kind of strange exorcism in the back garden or whatever it was that you need to film next. And... So okay, so that's uh, um, Women in Love, which we can recommend definitely. people go back and look at, and the people of Uckfield definitely uh, thought so. I mean, just having a quick yeah. squiz very quickly around it. 100 Rifles, the following week. Spring and Port Spring Wine. Wine. Oh, um, wow. uh, James Mason. And, uh, is yeah. it Susan Penn? No, it's not Susan Penn. Is it Susan? No, it's... Uh, I watched literally, literally, mate, watched it only three weeks ago. It was on the wonderful Talking yeah. Pictures. I don't know whether you ever tune into that channel. Yeah, it's uh, James Mason, Rodney Buse, um, Susan George... Susan George, the mother? Um, the mother, I always forget her name. She was in Father, Dear Father. <laughs> that's, that's, what, oh, that's a mum from Father, Dear Father. Not Father, Dear Father. Bless his um, house with, um, oh, what was her name? I can't oh, remember her name. Um, yeah, I know. But uh, that that was interesting. Yes, that was very interesting. I mean, actually, we could do this all day, to be honest. So I should let you go, really. But, um, Lovely thanks for this. Into your, been, uh, your what did it look yeah. like in 1970? Well, now here's the thing: we do not have a oh. picture in of the inside, and I think um, why is that? Because people didn't take pictures, did they? In the same way they do now, um, I can close my eyes and see it, but that's no help to anybody, is it? So it was it was one screen, and it was um, a balcony not a circle, a balcony, which is a sort of raised bit at the back, and the stalls. And, um, yeah, it I can I can see it. It absolutely, uh, and a tiny foyer, tiny, smaller than we've got now. Um, and we had no toilets. Well, we had, we had one lady's toilet, uh, 
and the gents was outside round to the left and up the end of the passage. <laughs> that was one of the phrases I grew up with. Where the, where, where's the bog, mate? Oh, it's outside, round to the left and up the end of the passage. One of the first, probably almost my first words. Because um, it had been built, you know, 1916, right in the middle of the First World War. So I wish I had a picture. If there's anybody out there in the world that has a picture of the interior of the Picture House Upfield before it was twinned or made into two screens in 1977, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have it. But we can't find one anywhere. And we did, we did a lot of digging, but we can't find one. I will send one to you. Somebody send one in. I'd love to have a look. Yeah, no, no, that'd be great. All right, then. Well, um, I should let you go because I can... Well, so can you actually talk for England, to be honest. <laughs> no, I really oh, appreciate no, it. Absolute Thank you. Pleasure. So, um, a very big thank you to Francine uh, for taking the time out to talk to me. I know she's pretty busy at the moment uh, writing a new novel. So I really appreciate her time. Thank you very, very much. And thank you for listening. Uh, what I should um, point out that I didn't, we didn't mention in the chat was how, how well uh, Women in Love actually did in the end. Uh, it played seven days, Sunday, June the 14th, and took uh, actually pretty good, 291 pounds and 19 shillings. Uh, fairly healthy admissions, 147 on the Sunday, 132, 178, 187, 142. So, and on the Saturday, actually 204 admissions. So, very healthy business indeed. Um, and in those days, there was no such thing as a holdover. You you didn't think, oh, that's doing well. I'll go a second week because that's not how things were done. So, I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, next time, um, I believe Neil Brand will be my guest. And we're going to be talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mostly, and uh, also about the cinemas, the local cinemas he used to uh, frequent when he was uh, living in Burgess Hill. So please do join me next time. I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, get in touch at Kevin Markwick on Twitter, or you can email me at podcast at picturehouseupfield.com with any questions, let me know um, how you think the show is going, and uh, hopefully we'll... Um, We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.